Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, pubiet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic episode for you today with a wonderfully talented and charming guest, Brazilian speed skater Larissa Paez joins the show. Larissa is the first female Brazilian to compete in winter speed skating. She has been an inline speed skater for 12 years and has been on the ice for the last two. She's from Brasilia, but is currently living in Salt Lake City in preparation for next year's Winter Olympics. This was such a delightful conversation. I learned a lot, but Larissa was just an absolute, absolute joy to chat with. In today's episode, she discusses what it's like being the first female athlete to compete in her sport, and she remarks on the added pressure that comes with it, but also the uncertainty that she can't avoid. She enjoys being a pioneer, a trailblazer, but at the same time, does bring some added challenges. Larissa also discusses how she's adapted her training and how coming from an inline skate background has helped her. And finally, Larissa and I get off topic a bit, and she shares with us how she has passed her minimal, minimal free time over the last year and the things that she's enjoyed. She also gives us a bit of advice on someone visiting Brasilia for the first time. I think I was smiling the entire conversation. I chatted with Larissa. She's someone who her presence just brightens a room. And she's someone who I wish I could interact with every day. You'd be surprised knowing that today's conversation was the first ever podcast interview she's done in English. As it's not her first language. And I would never have guessed at all. Wonderful to chat with her. Certainly a thrill. And I'm super stoked to watch her over the next year in preparation for the Olympics. So let's go ahead and bring on the first female athlete from Brazil to compete in winter speed skating, Larissa Paez, and let's learn. Thank you so much for inviting me. And this How? is my first time like actually um, speaking on anything recorded in English, so really? I might stumble a little. <laughs> you speak English incredibly well. When was it that you first learned English? Um, so I took classes back in Brazil at like age 15 maybe okay. or 14 15 and then i also did a year exchange at university in new zealand and just i travel a lot i talk a lot so you end up learning like just from talking and making mistakes i never mind uh making a mistake people laugh and correct it's fine except for my boyfriend he corrects too much <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm going to ask you a lot about traveling as well but again your accent is i would never have guessed that you only start learning at 15 Excited to chat, especially because you're the first female athlete to compete in speed skating in Brazil. So when was it that you were first introduced to the sport? I know that you started as an inline skater. So when was it that you were first introduced to speed skating? So, yeah, um, up until like two years and a half ago, I had never even seen an ice track. Wow. <laughs> um, only like on TV at the Olympics. And my parents would say like, oh, look at that sport. You could be really good at it because you're so good at inline. And I'd be like, yeah, but that's a different world. That's too far out of reach. You know, I wouldn't even pay too much attention. Mm -hmm. um, I would watch some races and be like, eh. <laughs> but yeah. in 2017, I was at Worlds in China. And this Dutch guy approached me talking about ice skating, talking about how the Worlds um, for the following year, 2018, was in the Netherlands. So he said like, oh, next year, it's going to be in the Netherlands, and we're going to have um, a week that we can learn ice skating. If I could jump in, you were at the Worlds for inline skating, street skating. Yeah, yeah, okay. inline speed skating. 
uh, representing Brazil and all that. And that was in China. So like you pretty much only talk to the people in skating. Who am I going to talk to outside of that? <laughs> they don't speak English. So um, we get pretty close together in these competitions because mostly you just talk to skaters. And this guy was like an organizer. His name is uh, Bram Schmallenbrook, something like that. Uh, and he, when I went to the Netherlands in 2018 to compete at Worlds again, then right after the competition ended, they did a week of ice skating. It was called uh, Road to Ice, so like inline to ice. And then they took some of the skaters from different countries and invited them to spend a week. It was like, I think you paid something like 200 euro and you got everything, like all the hotel, the training, the food, everything. So it was pretty cool. And that's the first time I actually got to be on a, on a real ice track, like not these playground uh, yeah. ice rinks, you know? Yeah. And it was completely different from what I imagined. It's crazy how much you see skating on wheels and on ice, it looks pretty much the same but it's really not it's it's like stepping on glass <laughs> i got there and i was completely clueless but i mean i was willing to learn and i guess a lot happened <laughs> since then a lot has happened now as you have your eyes set on next year's olympics when did it flip that switch for you as far as okay it's different it's like being on glass but I'm actually good at this. And you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run for the Olympics. When did that click? Um, so after that one week that we had to learn, they did a little competition at the end. Mm. And to validate my times, because they wanted to register, like, oh, she was the first girl to be on ice. We want to have the times registered. And I didn't want that because they were so slow. <laughs> um, but they asked me to validate the time. So I had to get in touch with the Federation. And the Brazil Ice Federation, I had never, had never gotten in touch with them. Um, but I actually texted through Facebook, the president of the federation. And he spoke to me, he was super nice. And he said, look, if you're really um, dedicated and I can see like all your results on inline skating, you're already at national team. Um, if you really want to dedicate yourself to ice skating, there is a program in Salt Lake City that we can support you and going there and training. So, I mean, they couldn't um, right away pay for everything and until now they don't pay for everything, but they offered me like, we'll pay for your tickets, we'll give you some financial support. Mm -hmm. And the more competitions you go to, then you get like a little bonus. So every time I compete, I get a small bonus and like that really helps. Wow. Um, yeah, so, I didn't have like an Olympic dream at that point. I was more like, okay, I want to try this. I want to go because I also was kind of um, not that passionate about inline skating on the moment. Uh, there was a lot of problems with the inline federation. So I was kind of like, um, I don't want to be that involved in high level, but for ice, it was something completely new. I want to give it a try. And as I got here and started getting better results and, you know, getting good times, I was like, wow, I might be able to make the World Cup. And if I make the World Cup, then I just need like to be placed at a certain ranking to be in the Olympics. So it's not that far out of reach. You know, it's something that I'm already getting 
pretty close. <laughs> wow. Such a great story. I know that you're in Salt Lake and you do have access to facilities now, but in times when you're not there, how have you adapted your training, especially in Brazil when there's limited ice rinks, limited ice tracks for you? How have you adapted your training? Is a lot of that just you resort back to your inline training? Because I know I've seen a video where you're doing inline training for it. So how do you adapt to get as much practice specifically for speed skating? Yeah, so pretty much when I'm, um, the first two seasons I ended up going back to Brazil during the summer, even though they have training here in the summer, but I went back there. And like you said, I had to adapt a lot of stuff. I had to kind of like conform to the fact that there is no ice rink and I'm going to have to be inlining. But I can't just inline the way I used to. I have to inline with the mindset for ice skating. I have to kind of like uh, visualize that I'm on an ice track, keep the same technique, the same position, because to go fast on inline, it's a different technique. So my goal at that point had to be not to go fast, but to focus on the ice technique. That's very difficult because, you know, I know how to go faster than that, but I have to keep going this slow speed, but just focusing on key technical points. And that, that was one of the main challenges is that now I have to pretty much pay attention, be focused to each step that I'm taking, to my position, to where I'm looking at, and like is my body all in line because on the ice you feel all, all of that and on the inline not so much but i have to pay attention now and other than that just physical types of training like um lifting jogging biking we do a lot of bike rides and it was also um, a bit of an adaptation because in the city i'm from brasilia it's flat it's mm -hmm. called it's called the central plateau so it's like tall but flat no mountains. And then I come here and we have to do bike rides and it's all mountains. <laughs> but I tried to keep in a decent shape there so that I could get here and, uh, you know, be able to keep up with the group. This last season, though, was very difficult because I had to stay in Brazil until October. And that means that from May to October, I was training um, with my inline club, trying to do things by myself, trying to get in shape and worried about not being able to make it here. Um, the whole pandemic situation also restricted a lot of the training places that we had access to. So by the time I finally got here, uh, my level was definitely not the same. Mm. So this last season was very difficult because I couldn't see like records all the time. You know, my times weren't getting faster and faster like before. <laughs> but by the, end of the, by the end of the season, I got one record on the 500 meter mm -hmm. and i definitely got a lot of technical improvements that i can use now yeah well you mentioned that that pr that you had recently in the 500 meters on that day did you feel any differently than normal um different i don't know i, I was kind of relieved for the first time it was an achievement that i wasn't so excited about i was more like relieved like wow finally okay. yeah yeah. yeah, I worked this whole season to get something and I got something. <laughs> but especially because the 500 is not my main race. Mm -hmm. it, that's why like the feeling was more like, okay, I did a good job. Um, but my focus was definitely on now on the Olympic season. Mm -hmm. Even from back then, I was focusing really a lot on technique so that now I can get strong during the summer 
and you know kind of like harvest what i'm what i'm putting now i'll get to harvest it in the winter which distance do you feel the most comfortable at so i they're not comfortable none of them <laughs> ice skating is yeah. uncomfortable love it love it <laughs> i agree i once skated 10 meters and i was completely uncomfortable so yes i agree it doesn't get any more comfortable <laughs> but um I have always been better on like the longer distances on inlines. I used to be like a marathon type of racer, okay. which on ice transfers a little differently, but I would like to make it on the 3000 meter and on the 1500. The 1500 is where I'm closest now because um, there is a pack race, a, a mass start race. Yeah, yeah. And there is a time that I, if I can achieve that time on the 1500, then I'm in the mass start race. That's like the easiest way to get into the World Cups. And two seasons ago, I got only 0.3 off the time that I need to do, like three tenths of a second. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty confident that I can do it now on the 1500. If I make that time, I've got my ticket to the World Cups. <laughs> yeah. So on those long races, what's going through your mind? What's your mindset for that? Are you thinking of something over and over again? Or how are you staying calm but also focused for these long endurance? It's very difficult. I had no idea. Uh, coming from inline, you have a lot of moving in the pack and that kind of stuff. I don't know if you've watched cycling. It's similar. Mm. But then on the ice, you're alone. <laughs> it's just you and the amount of laps that you have to do and your legs start burning and you got to keep pushing. So you definitely have to enter the, the race with a good mental strategy. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to start at 80%, let's say, a, a pretty strong start, but not all out. Then I'm going to get speed on the turns and try to just keep the movement on the straightaways. So all the time you have to be thinking of how much energy you're spending how your technique is looking because if you start just trying to push and lose your technique, you're going to do more effort in the end and go slower. Um, and also you have the coach on the ice with you. That's something that's very peculiar about the sport is that the coach is inside the, the race with you. Um, he's holding a board that tells you the lap times. So um, at the beginning, the biggest challenge I think is to not get freaked out when you see a time that you don't want to see <laughs> so it used to happen pretty often that i would start out too fast and then i would look at the board and be like oh damn it i start too fast and then i would like deliberately slow down and that would jeopardize my whole race i just couldn't get back up to speed or the other way around i would start too slow and like freak out and spend too much energy trying to catch up and then also end up dead with a not good time at the end <laughs> so yeah. i now tell the coach like i don't know don't even talk to me about times just tell me how much effort i gotta put in on lap one lap two lap three you know and i try to not even look at the board that much to be honest <laughs> i just try to listen i listen a lot so i've always been like that i, I learned through listening and when i'm in the race the coach's voice is what kind of guides me if he tells me like I need to, you know, be more compact, I'm going to do that during the race. If he tells me I need to go wider on the turns, that's what I'm going to do. I try to guide more through what I'm hearing than what I'm seeing now. And that really helps. That's a fascinating answer. I, I especially love how you mentioned even 
being faster than you'd want could be something that messes with your mind mentally and you might have to tone it back. That was an incredibly interesting point. Being the first female winter speed skater from Brazil, you are a pioneer, you're a trailblazer. I don't know you love that, but is there some added pressure with that? There is, there definitely is. Um, and on the season that I almost got that time, on the 15, it, it was heavy on me. Like right before that, I was not getting uh, faster at racing. I was getting faster at practice and not at races. Mm. So it was extremely frustrating because I would get to the line so nervous that I was already tired before the race started. <laughs> Mm. because in my head I was like oh I gotta do that time I gotta do that time because I gotta qualify because there's people you know counting on me backing me up supporting me so for sure I felt that pressure but now I I'm learning more of this sport and I'm learning more that if you focus on the time it's not gonna work yeah you know that if you do the key points that you gotta do then you get the time yeah yeah so it, it takes a, a a bit of like being down to earth mm -hmm. and knowing like, okay, I have all these people supporting me. My family has invested so much that pushes me at training now. So I, I have to learn how to use that pressure at training mm -hmm. when I'm dying. Like, so yesterday we we're doing this stairs workout, which is miserable. You can ask anyone on the team. That is the worst workout we do. We have to jump upstairs and run and jump up again and run and run and do it over and over. And it started raining and it was windy and it started getting like horrible weather. I was tired and you start getting like angry. And I started thinking, no, but there's people who are like supporting me, investing in me and I'm here and I got to make it. So at training, I learned how to use that pressure. But on the race day, um, it's really just about not them. It's about me. Yeah. It's about getting what I want to get. I feel that one challenging aspect of being the first is that you have no one who's done it before no one you can call up for for guidance and I think that leaves you with a lot of uncertainty so how do you handle that aspect of the uncertainty that comes with hey what do I do in this situation because you don't have anyone that's been in your situation before yeah it's good that here we have a very um how do I say a, a group that is very international we have people from different countries and different backgrounds so sometimes I can use them as guidance because even though they're not from my country, they've been in a similar situation or they are right now. And even we just are lost together, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. This is happening. Yeah, I don't know either. It's also happening to me. <laughs> so sometimes we're in that situation, okay. but it's nice to have a, a group that I can trust um, in a foreign country. Yeah. And well, sometimes when I get a little lost, I guess, I talk to people that I know will support me no matter what, like my family, the coach, teammates, and my boyfriend. <laughs> you just yeah. got to have some trust too. Like I know that I have the potential to make it, but I also know that even if I don't, what I'm living here, the experiences that I'm living here, they're amazing. There's something that no one has ever done before. And I just want to live this. Fantastic answer. Fantastic answer. The last year has been difficult for everyone, but you've had your fair share of things. First of all, you're moving during a pandemic, you're training for the Olympics, so many different things. So despite everything or in place for everything, what do you feel is the biggest lesson you've learned from the last 12 months? Mm, to be patient, mm -hmm. which I've never been. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I've never been a very patient person, but it's something that I'm having to learn okay. um, as of the last year. When I was in Brazil, there was a lot of anxiety about not being able to make it here. And my parents would say that you just got to be patient. Let's find a way to get you there. And I actually had to quarantine in Mexico. Oh. Um, it was, yeah, it was a whole thing. It was hard to get here. Immigration wouldn't let me in. Um, but it was always about just be patient. And that's the only thing that works. <laughs> what an honest and exceptional answer. I want to ask about Brazil. So you're from Brasilia. For someone visiting Brasilia for the first time, what would be your recommendation? <laughs> I guess the, there's the center of the city, which is, so the city was planned. It was, it's a nice designed city. Um, so like the center of the city is very beautiful. It has like architecture, if you're into architecture type of um, beauty and the lake. So Brasilia has a huge, beautiful lake mm -hmm. that although we don't have any beach around <laughs> it does look amazing so definitely go like there's activities that you can do you can stand up paddle like the mm -hmm. the board they can mm -hmm. stand up on and plenty of activities to do around the lake um but yeah there is waterfalls around there hiking plenty of activities to do and i think it's more like just explore a little bit the outside of the city too like the city center and then the outside mm -hmm. of brasilia because there's a lot of nature and and um like national parks mm -hmm. close to that area that are really cool to see well when it comes to national parks i also got to ask you about utah so what have been your most memorable explorations when you're getting outside of salt lake because it's one of the best places in the united states for as far as outdoor and nature yeah i guess the thing that i love and it's something that i just love every day in utah is the mountains yeah. i grew up somewhere that has, has no mountains at all yeah. so the fact that i walk out of the house here and just see them on the background i don't know why but it makes my my day better just by seeing them there <laughs> so on a day where you got to do some of those jump in the stairs or you got to do the bike ride up up the hill up the mountain and you're and you're just knackered you're tired what's the food reward or the cheat meal that you give yourself after a day like that um ice cream is one okay. Okay. Uh, what flavor <laughs> are we going sometimes, and here's a food chain that i didn't even know existed before i came here i feel a little embarrassed by this no? but chick-fil-a <laughs> chick-fil-a except on sundays right so yeah i don't want to advertise it too much but um my friend from argentina and i we usually say that that's the national record food if you make a national record we go there <laughs> that is very great inspiration. I love that. And I, I'm definitely a Chick-fil-A fan as well. What's the timetable for you for the next nine months leading into next year's Olympics? What are the events that you're training for and planning for? Yeah, so the racing season should start around September, October. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's going to be a big challenge because I got to, right at the beginning of the season, beat my times. And that's something that happens usually at the end of the season, <laughs> around like February. Um, so I'm going to have to start really strong on the season and get it right away around October because in November it's the World Cups. And I got to qualify for the World Cups. And then from there, depending on how you're ranked, then you get into the Olympics. I know training in your sport is very grueling. And I know living in, in a new country can be daunting as well. So. What are some of the hobbies and activities you've been doing over the last year 
when you do have free time? Yeah, on the little free time that we have <laughs> other than just napping all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hobby, yeah. Um, I do some painting. And also, last year, since that Netflix show, uh, we started playing chess. Ah, okay. Like Love it. Yeah. So we got a yeah. chess set and started playing it. And I also play League of Legends. Um, League of Legends, okay. It's just something very random because I'm not a big like gamer. Yeah, but yeah. that one game I really like and I play it. <laughs> hey, we've all got the one game. We've all got the one. And are those, are those your paintings over your shoulder? Yeah, so very these cool. are the ones very I did cool. during the summer. This has been so much fun. Just an absolute delight chatting with you. How can people stay up to date with your career and your journey for next year's Olympics? So my main platform is Instagram, um, Ladi underline Atleta. I don't know like how to <laughs> spell it out. Maybe you can write it. Um, and yeah, on Instagram, I've been trying to post most of my training, my daily life. Um, there's also a YouTube channel that I'm starting, <laughs> but definitely just go to Instagram. You see me and all that I do. <laughs> You nailed it. You rocked it, especially the first interview you've done in English. I, I mean, I would never have guessed. I would have thought that you've done this many, many times over. No, I just talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever. It's still practice, right? <laughs> it's better than someone who doesn't talk on a podcast, I guess. True. That's true. That's true. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. This is a lot, really cool. This is really cool. Like, I want to ask about you because you're so nice. <laughs> From all that we've talked and all that you got from like my vibe, what do you think we have in common? Mm -hmm. Well, Chick-fil-A, number one. <laughs> Bringing people together. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's obviously the priority. And I know your desire to travel. That's probably our, our biggest thing that we have in common. Nice. Desire to travel. And, and lastly, your hatred for hills, because I know when I'm running around on a run, if I come to a hill, not interested. I'll go the other way. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I signed up for something that I got to do so much of that. No one's ever asked me that during an interview, like, what do we have in common? I, I, I think that was cool. Of course, I watched the, the show as well, the Queen's Gambit. I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a little more into chess after that or not at all? Um, I've always been somewhat interested. So I won't say I got more interested. But uh, it did make me want to play. But I know during the pandemic, it was difficult to just, you know, sit around and play with somebody. So we'll have to find a way to virtually play chess against each other. Yeah, <laughs> that works. Or if you want to play league, I mean. <laughs> I haven't gotten to league yet. I always have, I allow myself one video game at a time and I haven't done league yet. But because uh, I can't have more than one because it just takes up too much of my life. So one at a time. I just play FIFA right now. That's it. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nice. Well, thanks again for inviting me. I'm flattered and really happy to contribute as well. Yeah. So I hope to see you on any given runway. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I agree. I'll gladly do it. Hopefully one, hopefully an airport runway, one that has Chick-fil-A and I'll, I'll buy you the number one. Number one, no pickles. That's mine. So I'll buy one for you as well. No pickles. <laughs> oh my God. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic. We'll chat again, but thanks for today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Larissa. Wasn't she outstanding? Give her a follow at Instagram. That is Laurie, L-A-R-I underscore Atleta, A-T-L-E-T-A. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. 
From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. <laughs>